Welcome to The Coda, a music podcast and the perfect end note to your week. I'm Brian Hasty, and with me is the Lady Gaga to my Bradley Cooper, the David Bowie to my preening Mick Jagger, Rob Christopherson. <laughs> Rob, how are you? I was trying to figure out which one of us would be the preening Mick Jagger uh, when I was writing the intro, by the way, and I feel like I would, I'm a better preener than you are. Yeah, that's probably true. I can't see that not being true at this point now that I think about it in my head. Yeah, yeah. these are the kind of things that like uh, invade my day now as I think about uh, you know putting the show together. <laughs> so. uh, you think about all of the uh, the bits and pieces that make it into what it is and, and how weird I can make it in the first five minutes. <laughs> Rob, uh, have you ever practiced the Batusi dance? Because I feel like maybe you'd pull that one off quite well. I don't know if you know this, Brian, but I am not what you would call someone who is agile on their feet. I think we've we talked about this during our, our clubbing stories. So, I, but just the I mean, like the, the Batusi is mainly with the hands, right? So I feel like maybe you'd be able to better do that. Maybe, like I. I firmly believe that the thumbs are very underutilized when it comes to <laughs> dancing. They haven't been a thing since the 70s, and, you know, everybody thought it was cool back then. Bell bottoms. Barely, barely 60 seconds in and already your first hot take of the episode. P- bring back the thumbs, people. Bring, bring thumbs, thumbs deserve it. Bring your thumbs to TikTok. Uh, I love that enthusiasm. I love the idea. Uh, uh, last episode, you and I actually stayed on cue for the intro of the episode, talking about uh, things that we listened to. So I, I, I felt like it would be only appropriate that this episode would be another um, shorter, kind of fun episode where we just talk about like newish albums that have come out, and as well as uh, some unfortunate new, very long songs that we've listened to um, <laughs> that have doomed our days. And uh, basically, uh, you know, we're just going to cover a bunch of albums that have come out in the last little while and, and our thoughts on them, whether or not you know they're they're worth the listen or the re-listen to. Um, and I feel like that's a good framework. By which to to work this through i was trying to i was i was gonna ask you actually should we have some kind of like a rating system for these what would be an appropriate rating system because you know people there are people with stars there are people like pitchfork who would take it entirely too far i don't understand how giving an album a 0.8 or a 0.9 at any certain point is justified but you know that's that is okay that is a great point to make because i've always been confused by that like what is the difference between a 6.7 and a 6.8 like what is that 0.1 difference yeah i want to know i really want to know now what goes into this is it like uh whose line is it anyway where the points don't matter or (laughs) what I I do feel like you may be on point about that, where it really does not matter at all in the least. No, it can't matter at all. Like I remember Lizzo flipping out over her rating that she got on Pitchfork. That was kind of interesting. Yeah, like uh, do and I guess this is kind of uh, we fell off the the wagon already here. But uh, do ratings <clears throat> and reviews matter as much anymore in this digital age? What do you think? No. I don't think so. I don't think enough people are reading them. The ones that are reading them are like the pitchfork heads, the ones that really tune in for that kind of content from them. Uh, They have some other 
like interesting stuff that they do. I like their over under stuff that they do with artists. Those are fun yeah. videos uh, most of the time. Uh, the, the Tori okay. Amos one was really weird. They very very occasionally do long form pieces that are like usually histories of something very, very yeah. specific that I've enjoyed that I really like. That's where I'm at uh, when it comes to Pitchfork pretty much. But I mean like the concept of reviews in general, right? How do you feel about them um, in the year of our Lord 2020? people like what they like they don't need to listen to somebody else tell them what they like you know so i don't really see much to a of a point to them it, it's one thing to tell somebody what you loved you know which in most cases that's what some publications do at the end of the year they tell you what they loved so that's great this is what was the best but why don't they ever talk about what was the worst they never talk about what's uh, the only one is uh, Anthony Fantano. He'll talk about his ten, you know, the ten worst songs of the year. Yeah, good no, for it's him. Funny, it's funny that you bring him up because I feel like in the age of the internet, he probably is like the preeminent like um, uh, music reviewer of our times, right? Like, uh, I feel like in the past. Um, Music reviews have been sort of like uh, a gatekeeping, right? Whereas now it's like the equivalent to like a Walmart greeter. Like they'll tell you something, but you don't really need to heed their words. Right. And for instance, when you talk about Anthony Fantano, like the way that he thinks about music is very specific to the way that, you know, he thinks about music and not necessarily the way that everybody else thinks about music. Yeah. Yeah, the interesting thing about how he talks about his reviews is as much the process of listening as it is, like, how he um, comes to a lot of the conclusions, which I feel is is contextual and very interesting to me. And, like, when I disagree with him, the points he makes are still valid to me, so I still respect what he's saying, despite the fact that, like, I don't necessarily share whatever beliefs he gives. Like, he, um, and this is one of the albums on my list, like, he uh, thought the New Weekend album was pretty good and consistent, which I don't necessarily think so, but his explanation as to why uh, made sense to him. Right, exactly. It makes sense to what he finds pleasing to the ear, what he thinks is good about a song or uh, about an entire album, which is fine. I have no problem with that. I think the worst thing that, because uh, I don't tune in as much as I used to these days, but one of the things that pissed me off is when he reviewed uh, Carrie and Lowell by Sufjan Stevens, and he was like, I don't understand why these vocals are like quiet and echoey. He's like, he's talking about death, you dumb shit. What, <laughs> what, the, what don't you get about that? Like, he's talking about something that is technically silent, so I think a whisper is appropriate in this case. Yeah, uh, I mean, like, uh, all man is fallible, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm glad that we went soft track. I uh, love picking your brain about these things. Uh, so now let us discuss the music of our times, Rob. Are you ready to talk about uh, an album that uh, was eagerly anticipated? The first couple of singles were kind of weird and uh, probably is like the epitome of what you would classify as dad rock right now. Yep. I am, of course, talking about Pearl Jam's Gigathon. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> oh my god! Uh, here, I I, I want to get my my like one major hot take about this album. This album sounds like a, a commercial for Target. Yeah, I uh, I don't even know what to make of it. Like, I listen to it a bunch, um, and by a bunch I mean like three or four times, which is like uh, a lot for me to listen to an album that's an hour long. I get very yeah. angry after a while. Um, yeah. It, it strikes me as background music. It does. It 
strikes me as music written by a band over a long period of time that were still trying to figure out how to structure the songs. And in many cases, I don't think they realized or came to the conclusion about how to do that. And yeah. I that contributes to the fact that this album with 12 songs is 57 minutes long. I'm going to say this again. I will reiterate it a thousand times. Artists fucking cut it with the hour long albums. We don't need them. If you can give me a tight 45, I am good with that. If you could give me a tight 35, I am perfect with that. If you could give me a 30, I'm, you know, I don't think you're, (laughs) I don't think you're trying too hard, but you know what? I respect that hustle and I will listen to you. But once you get into this area of, you know, rap albums are so fucking long now for for a great majority of them. We don't need this long shit. Pearl Jam should have sat on that for a little while, figured out what the fuck they wanted to do instead of release this because they had been writing it for so long they felt that they needed to get it out there. Yeah, and I mean, lead single Dance of the Clairvoyance, which is a clear ripoff of uh, Psycho Killer, right? Yeah, um, it's it's very Talking Heads inspired. Uh, I, I remember uh, Fantano saying that it sounds like uh, Talking Heads mixed with Interpol, and I'm like, I don't really get the Interpol as much, but yeah, I could, I could see that, and I mean, uh, when, maybe the drum machine is like Interpol-ish. That's yeah. the only thing I can think about, right? Because it's it doesn't have that stark um, uh, sort of way that Interpol loves to play with dynamics. Yeah, exactly. And what do you need a drum machine for when you have Matt fucking Cameron? Let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of these 12 songs, like... And I mean, like, the, the worst slash best part is I found that to be the most interesting part of the album by far. Yeah, otherwise it's just... It's a meandering album. It goes from one place to another and it just doesn't give you any context half the time it doesn't give you anything to like bite down on which is not good but yeah it really does sound like a commercial for target uh we i realized uh at the top we did not discuss an actual rating system here uh we discussed the concept of rating systems but we didn't actually go (laughs) right um because uh, I was trying to think, like, should we go, like, very of the news? Like, how many, like, uh, surgical masks would you wear to go yeah, buy I think, this album? I think that is uh, appropriate. Let's let's use that system. So out of, like, let's say, like, like out of, like, ten masks to get to the Best Buy that is, in theory, still open to physically buy this album and back. Like, you know, how many how many masks are you willing to sacrifice for Pearl Jam's Gigathon? <sighs> Two. Yeah, two to three. And the weird thing is, like, it seems to be almost like universally acclaimed. And I can't tell if it's like if this YouTube situation where they're recognizing the institution of Pearl Jam versus the work put out. Like, if you strip the name Pearl Jam off of this and then put it onto the public, would it probably score the same? Probably not. No, this would fall into the middle of the pack kind of shit that you would hear on like modern rock radio right now. Yeah, I agree that uh, it is super bland. I think the Target commercial co- comment was super, super on point. So two and three, so 2.5 masks uh, uh, to be used to go to the Best Buy. Um, and next up, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to this. This is my uh, comedy hot take of the last two weeks. Florida Georgia Line just put out a new song called I Love My Country. I did not listen to this. I was debating on whether I wanted to or not, but uh, hit me with it. What What is this, Brian? It is uh, awful pandering that would be right at home, at, you know, uh, early 2002. I do think that Florida Georgia Line maybe had 
jump the shark with this one. Let me read this. Some of the lyrics to you. Are you ready for this? Yeah, sure. Barbecue, steak fries, styrofoam plate, date night, George Strait singing greats while we turn it up, sitting lakeside. The pedal steel, she straight slide. Over here, to me, she do that. Alabama shake like you ain't ever seen. I love my country. I love my country. Six strings and fiddles. Whiskey from Kentucky. We keep it funky. We like how it sounds. Money to Sunday. Yeah, I love my country. This sounds like Luke Bryan, uh, like a, a song generator. Yeah, it, it's definitely an algorithmic fucking lyrical mix here. What the fuck? Rob, if you listen to this, I feel like you would uh, uh, maybe ironically start crying. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, like your body's just given up on the concept of like irony and, uh, you know, uh, straight crying, straight tears. Straight fucking tears. Wow. Wow. I that man, I don't even know what to think about that. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do not think you need this in your canon of great songs to listen to in 2020. It sounds like you're saying it's a great song. No, no, I'm saying you you do not. You do not need to include this. Okay, good. I will not be uh, listening to it anywhere down the line. I will just let it be. Oh, shit. That's a song that they sang on (laughs) some bitch. Here's a question for you, then, in that case. Kind of a follow-up. At what point does this become self-referential? And, like, are they aware enough of what they're doing? Specifically, I'm talking about, like, this kind of, like, like, um, uh, pop music with that specific shuffle beat. I think they've already kind of become aware of it. Uh, so everyone's in on the joke? I think so. I think at this point they understand. Uh, because, like, what was the title of their latest album? Can't Say I Ain't Country. That's true. That is a very good point. Yeah. I guess they are playing with the trips of the genre. Um, but I feel like this almost sounds a little too earnest to be tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, I think they're very self-aware of who they are. And I think that... They have this ability to trick people into believing that uh, they are 100% authentic, but I don't necessarily uh, buy that. I I don't either. Like, authenticity in country music is such a weird concept these days. I feel like that is an episode unto itself because I do think that it deserves, like, a full, full kind of exploration because I do agree that, like, it is a very elusive and, like, tricky thing to pin down. Yeah, and... How many artists these days have songs that uh, are really are, are about their concept of what country is to them? I mean, every artist, every country artist has a song like that now. Yeah, uh, it, it, kind of like a rite of passage almost. Yeah, exactly. All right, Rob, give me uh, give me some of that good music or some of that bad music that's on your list. So, uh, one album that uh, I was really uh jamming on today is uh Sufjan Stevens and Lowell Brahms uh Aporia and it's weirdly this mix of electronic music. It it kind of meanders all over the place. It would pro honestly if it was a soundtrack to uh some film, I would probably love the hell out of it. As an album, doesn't really do it for me. It's just too meandering. You're all over the place with it. But, like, the sounds are, like, he veers almost into a Pink Floydish territory, like, Tangerine Dream kind of shit at okay, a certain so point. Like, like instrumental, almost like New Agey kind of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Uh, I mean, less, less New Agey than, like, say, uh, like, Seven Swans or anything like that. Right. But, uh, 
there are enjoyable moments on it. It's just as a whole, it's not the most enjoyable album that I've heard from Sufjan Stevens. I kind of just want him to put out something normal. Like more on brand for him? Yeah, like more on brand for... Because I think most people have this image of Sufjan Stevens as this indie folk rock singer-songwriter kind of person. And he veers between this uh, synth pop, electronic music, and that kind of stuff. But I don't think he has the heart for it anymore, to be honest with you. I kind of feel like... He got too ambitious with that 50 States project, which just kind of fell out from underneath him. And he still has what, like 48 to go. He, he gave up on it. Yeah. Which is, which is fine. I, I, the two installments are pretty damn great. Michigan's a great album. Illinois is probably his crowning achievement for his entire career. It's the best thing that he's ever done. So, and probably the most ambitious thing he's ever done, to be honest with you. I, I, it's hard to see anyone else out there combining uh, banjos with chorus lines, with uh, just all the instrumentation on there. There's nobody that can write a charming song about a UFO except for Sufjan Stevens. Uh, how many masks to Best Buy? Uh, I hit three. Three. Yeah. Uh, and obviously I forgot to mention this before, but uh, <laughs> Florida Georgia Line gets no masks. <laughs> no masks. Brian is not going to the store to buy a single. He's just not doing it. No, I'm not going to buy that single. I'm not going to go buy it even if it had like a killer B-side. <laughs> really? Like, no, there is... No. There- there's, There's no, no fucking way. There's oh. no fucking way. Um, sort of a follow-up, uh, uh, tonally, um, maybe in, in terms of genre, uh, Nightingale's released uh, two new instrumental albums, Ghosts 5 together and Ghosts 6 Locusts. So I know that you were saying before, like, uh, Pearl Jam's hour-long album was a little long. Uh, these two are quite hefty in terms mm. of time, yeah. um, averaging at least an hour and 20-ish per listen. Mm. Um, but they are essential soundtracks to our times, I do believe. I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to either of those, but I um, had to go run some essential errands last week and put them on and it it was harrowing let me tell you what so did it turn your trips out into a post-apocalyptic nightmare that yes. you were just struggling to race through to get back yeah. home uh sort of yeah i d- definitely like a, a even though like one's supposed to be like the brighter of the two albums they're still both fucking downers <laughs> like there's no there's no like uh, ascendant chord sequences that make you feel slightly like hopeful about anything so let me ask you this then how lawless are the streets of quebec right now <laughs> Uh, pretty lawful, I do have to admit, uh, though there is a tad more speeding going on. Okay, that's fair. I, I can see that happening. What about you? Like, you live in a more, uh, like, I live off of a, a main intersection here um, in my part of town. Like, what about you? It's very, it's too normal around here. Like, it's really as if nothing is going on. Uh, people are just, like, hustling and bustling. Businesses have taken precautions as best they can. I had a friend who uh, Snapchatted this picture at this uh, one convenience store, and they had put up a uh, floating piece of glass in front of the counter. And he's like, really? What's this going to do? And I kind of wanted to say remove the sneeze guard from any buffet you go to and tell me how confident (laughs) are you that you want to eat what's down there. 
So that's the one big difference is that we have them everywhere here. Like I went to the pharmacy and I went to the grocery store um, within the last like 72 hours ish, I guess, like at this point, I'm trying mm. to do mental math backwards. And yeah, we, there's definitely like plexiglass everywhere. Yeah. It's all over the place, which is good. I mean, take what precautions that you can, cause it's not like every business is going to erect some plexiglass enclosure for you, but if they can at least take whatever minimal steps to do that, good on them. Yeah, I uh, definitely do agree uh, with that, uh, given the prevalence of these times. All that to say, though, <laughs> Ghost 5, Ghost 6, the perfect soundtrack to <laughs> walking around <laughs> if you want to feel uh, like you're in a movie. The perfect feel if you feel like the world is coming to an end. Go listen to those. Absolutely. <laughs> so what I'm going to say then in that case is uh, uh, maybe an asterisk at the end of this, but like like eight masks to Best Buy. Eight masks. Okay. But I, to buy the, the vinyl version of this because uh, the digital one is free, right? So you can download it straight from the Nine Inch website. <laughs> <laughs> uh, good on them. Good on them for that. What's your next album, Rob? Or, or song or whatever surprise because I have no idea what's in your bag of tricks. Oh, man. What is in my bag of tricks here? Uh, there's a great kind of retro country artist named Gabe Lee. And uh, he released an album called Honky Tonk Hell. Which <laughs> that is a great title. it's a great title and like the thing about Gabe Lee is he's a, he's an Asian dude doing country music okay. so he's very self-referential in that he had the first song on there I think is the title track and he talks about like there's a lyric in it uh, hold on I'm going to vamp a little bit here because uh, the the lyrics too good not to say it I I absolutely love it uh, but. It's all about like how he doesn't really fit in with the normal country crowd. He talks about like what he would say if somebody came up to him and asked him what the hell he was doing here. <laughs> and the the response is too good not to share it, so I will uh, I'm bringing that up now. Come on, genius, you shake it for me, country rob. Yeah, right? Holy shit. Uh, if, uh, <laughs> if genius wants to load, that would be great. If not, um, so I think what we're going to do in this case is uh, not uh, masks to Best Buy, but masks to the honky tonk to enjoy this. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So honky tonk hell. Here we go. It's it folded up. Well, honky tonk hell is a, is a hell of a place. They got a big old dance room hall. Seats reserved for all the folks down in Nashville for writing phony ass country songs. And if people ever get to asking, Mr. Gabe Lee, how'd you end up here? I look him dead in the eye, and my only reply is to hit him with a mile-long stare. <laughs> I feel like it's, this is the antithesis to like um, um, songs about places like, for example, like Toby Keith's I Love This Bar, or like the Brothers Osborne's like Pawn Shop. Like This is like a reversal of why uh, you should celebrate this establishment. Yeah, exactly. You know the, the roots of country music, and you're just trying to find a spot in there, and uh, it's, it's good to have an identity when you show up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how many masks nine masks it's nine masks album. to the honky tonk yeah nine masks to the honky tonk it's it's a hell of an album oh, i love that i love that yeah. uh next up is an album that i'm going to just flat out give zero masks to which is morrissey's i'm not a dog on a chain because fuck morrissey zero masks zero masks morrissey can fucking go be uh brutalized by a vicious animal i am happy with that that would be uh, so ironic too <laughs> 
<laughs> I, um, yeah, there's a lot of like complicated feelings I have about him and how much he angers me for a variety of reasons. I had a friend who was reading his autobio a couple of years ago when it came out. It is not a good book. No, it's very fucking like uh, you could tell Morrissey's in love with himself. And I think the fact that he requested that it be a Penguins classic, like, fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like a level of pomposity that like I, I cannot adhere to. Um, you know, we're he to be like a true genius. That's fine. Also, uh, you guys can uh, let us know how you feel about Morrissey at uh, the Coda Podcast over on Twitter. Uh, give us all your hot takes about Morrissey. I want to hear people who love Morrissey. I want to hear about you know them all the Smiths fans in the world. Yeah, my dog was barking. She hates Morrissey too. <laughs> Um, uh, back in the day, it used to be Morrissey versus uh, The Cure, basically, essentially, right? So I yeah. uh, always side on the side of rightness. Robert Smith, The Cure, forever and ever. Yeah, always uh, forever in our hearts, the one and true. <laughs> uh, what you got? Uh, I've had this kind of very strange disassociation with music recently. But uh, one album that I have really come to love uh, and I've listened to it three or four times. It's an album called Melee by a band called Dogleg. And it's very, it's 2000s-ish kind of pop punk, that kind of era that we all fell in love with pop punk. It sounds like it came directly from that era. Really tight, really, you know, kind of fast songs, but really enjoyable, really catchy. And, uh, You'll love it. You'll, Brian, you'll love the fuck out of this album if you haven't listened to it yet. I have not. Uh, I mean, like, usually your recommendations are pretty on point, so I'm not very worried about that um, at all, ever. Uh, how many masks? Eight masks. Eight masks. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's a that's a pretty strong statement there. Yeah, well, definitely. Uh, I want to give another eight masks to an album that I've listened to uh, uh, hmm, seven, eight times now since it came out on Friday. That is Dua Lipa's Future Nostalgia. I know I talked about some of her tracks as recommendations um, a couple of times, yeah. but the album uh, is a 37 minute long uh, thrill ride of like throwback um, pop sounds as well as some, you know, uh, futuristic kind of uh, forward leaning um, um, pop music too. So I feel like it's a perfect ensemble of like recognizing the deep, uh, great bass of 90s pop music as well as sort of like trying to figure out what pop music sounds like otherwise in 2020 definitely 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 worth a shot i listened to it today i did enjoy it for the most part i hate the title track yes uh, that that to me is the only um um song ironically enough that could be uh what i would do is i would substitute it at that um and bring in um the song that she made last year for the battle alita soundtrack yeah yeah and that would to me would be a stronger album yeah i i 100 agree uh is what the heck is that one song where she's talking about like it, it almost seems like that uh nickelback like I can't leave you because I like the way that you fuck oh, kind yeah. of songs. Yeah. That, that song kind of annoyed me because it's just like, yeah, I've heard this before. I'm gonna make a statement here to artists that like to do songs like that. Nine inch nails put you out of business when they did closer. Please stop. <laughs> just stop. <laughs> Um, the hook for the song Love Against um, interpolates uh, White Town's yeah. Your Woman. So I'm yeah, always here yeah. for that. Don't get yeah. me wrong. Yep. Um, and to me, like, I feel like finally we're moving away from like the more obvious um, uh, lifts and interpolations and samples and more so into the more uh, obscure hits of the 90s, which is kind of a weird oxymoron to say now that I'm saying it, but I don't care. Uh, so I feel like I'm here for that, right? Like, just give me uh, like a, a brimful of Asha, you know, like Corner Shop. I sample that somewhere. 
Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with that. One album that uh, I really enjoyed listening to today, because I kind of played a little catch-up lately uh, in the last two days, and uh, uh, Printer's Devil by Rap Boys is a fantastic album, uh, that indie singer-songwriter kind of stuff that I always go for, indie rock. And uh, it starts with... One of the best songs ever, which is Alien with the Sleep Mask on. That's a fantastic <laughs> song. Uh, that sounds amazing just based on the title alone. Yeah, it's a, 10 songs, a tight 39 minutes, and every single one of them is enjoyable. But uh, yeah, it's, it's the lead singer basically saying that I look like an alien with the sleep mask on. It's great. So I feel like you and I are kind of adhering to a kind of album rule where it's like two sides of a, of a vinyl platter, right? So more than 40 minutes, let's take a walk. Yeah, exactly. I, I yeah. have a vinyl mentality when it comes to things. And there are very few artists that I will go for the double vinyl for. I mean, most of them are classic artists, Pink Floyd. Yeah, you kind of have to go for the double vinyl unless you're doing the the more modest albums like Wish You Were Here or Animals or something like that. But, uh, yeah, there aren't a lot of uh, artists that I'll fucking do the double vinyl for. Let's be my, honest. My rule of thumb is, listen, like, uh, Fleetwood Mac needed two sides for rumors. Everyone else can do the same. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, so uh, uh, my friend Danny, who also listens to this podcast, he often will recommend me um, black metal or doom metal or, or death metal. Um and I usually tell them if it's more than 60 minutes, I may not listen to all of it. Yeah, exactly. I, I think you kind of need to put those rules in place just because there's so much to fucking listen to. You can only devote yourself to so much. Like, your Spotify rap results can only go so far. So <laughs> don't overdo it. Yeah, I, I do agree with that. Um, you know, to me, like a 40, 60 minute album to me is like the sweet spot. Anything longer or lesser. Uh, like, do we re- really need 79 minutes for load and reload? We did not. No. And uh, I didn't need that much time to listen to Lars fuck up as much as he does. I don't need that. Speaking about things that are way too long, Rob, let's get to the piss resistance of this uh, entire episode. The whole reason I wanted to do this. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Yeah. Uh, let us talk about uh, Bob Dylan's. <laughs> I can't get this right because I'm just going to keep laughing. Murder Most Foul, um, all about the GFK assassination. Um, what is it, like 17 minutes? Yeah, it's 17 fucking minutes of meandering bullshit. Let's be honest. It is awful. It is awful. It does not follow any sort of like structure. Uh, so I was reading the genius annotations. Um, they seem to just break up the verses arbitrarily. Like, I don't understand where the verse breaks come from because it seems like pretty much like one long verse to me. Yeah, exactly. It's continuous. It, it it doesn't. It's not so much a poem as it seems like one man's lyrical essay about the Kennedy assassination. It's incredibly dumb. Like Dylan can do long songs really good. Desolation but they need to be Row, fucking songs. Yeah, Desolation Row is one of them. Sad Eyed Lady of the Lowlands is another great one. Uh, he's he's done quite a few, and it's just what the fuck is this? What? the fuck it almost felt like uh like uh the equivalent to listening like a prog rock album but just being like 
imminently punished over and over by a lack of um, uh, melody, a lack of any sort of uh, uh, dynamics at all. I feel like that's the bigger issue is that like there's barely any dynamics in the song. And I've listened to it multiple times to try and figure out where the dynamics are. Do you think that Bob Dylan thinks that he has transcended music to the point where he can get by on what his ego thinks he can get away with? Yeah, absolutely. Like this is his first song went like eight years and this is what he decides to do. Yeah. And I mean, the last, I think, really great album that he put out was Modern Times. And it was yeah. Bob Dylan doing what he did uh, at the beginning of his career, which was taking like melodies and reworking them uh, to suit his purpose for whatever song he's talking about. And I think everybody lost their shit when he mentioned Alicia Keys, of all people. Like, that yeah. was weird. Like, cool. And also the reference to Nightmare on Elm Street super randomly. Yeah, super randomly. Like, it, it's been in the zeitgeist long enough, people. Do you feel down. like he, like, watches horror movies? Like, I would love to think that Bob Dylan's like, fuck yeah, Michael Myers. I would think that he does just because, like, I mean, my voice is, like, heading into a gravelly uh, tone. It's been that way for a few days now. But uh, I think Bob Dylan has mastered the, the gravelly tone. Uh, and he should probably just stop talking entirely. Uh, I uh, at least this time around he didn't link up with the ARP to release new music. Oh Jesus Christ! Yeah, that's that's <laughs> true. I for- totally forgot about that. I every time uh, you know Bob Dylan ARP is now like like burned into my brain. You know what's interesting though? Neil Young's falsetto is still mostly intact. Yes, uh, you know uh, a lot of his vocal register has been shredded to to put it kindly, but yeah, his falsetto is still there. It's it's amazing how his falsetto it's still hanging in there, and I respect that in an old man. <laughs> uh, I want to suggest an equally long song that you'll probably enjoy way more, Rob. Um, uh, as juvenile as it may be, no effects is the decline. Oh yeah, I, I agree one hundred percent. That is I was trying a... to think of other long songs that like uh, would you know <laughs> you could spend more time listening to and enjoying more than than this meandering um, uh, piece of 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 garbage from uh, one of America's greatest troubadours. Yeah, well, used to be one of America's greatest troubadours. Let's be honest about that. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I do agree. The Modern Times was probably the end date by which you would probably say that his recorded career uh, kind of died. Yeah, it uh, it was the day the music died for Bob Dylan. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fucking A. Fucking Did you have a chance to listen to the new Childish Gambino? No, and I'll be honest, I didn't really... I, I have this tumultuous relationship with Donald Glover and his music. I don't think uh, a lot of it is all that great. Um his first album is just eh, it, it was it was okay like i uh, awaken my love is fantastic it's a really great album but uh i feel like we can yeah awaken yeah. my love into into this is america like kind yeah. of like a perfect Don, donald glover the new album it's not catching with me and i've tried no. since the, he randomly put up a stream on his website that just looped for a couple of days before actually putting it on uh, digital platforms. Yeah, exactly. And it, it doesn't, it, it's too meandery. It's too boring. It's just, eh. it's, it's <laughs> kind of like, I don't, I don't understand why, you know, really the people are raving about the weekend's album. Like it goes yes, back to this you. again, because it's uh, for one thing, it's, 
just really dumb. It's already one song has already become meme TikTok status. So like, what the fuck? So for me, like I uh, uh, fucked with the weekend, and I I can't believe I'm saying this because I sound like I'm you know a fellow kids uh, a member. But uh, uh, from like the very beginning, from his first three mixtapes onto this, right? And there's always been some kind of progression, right? You know, from his from his trilogy to you know uh, Beauty Behind the Madness, and then even to Starboy, and then to this, it feels like there's nothing there. Yeah, it it's just seems like somebody who's almost run out of the creative juices. Is uh, let's be honest, his lyric lyrical content is god awful yeah and uh, he has said that he's like stepped away from doing drugs um uh, more during this album cycle so like good for him for you know um trying to stay a little bit cleaner but like at the end of the day too i just i feel like it's just he just needs to stop and walk away for a little longer um and maybe reassess you know where he wants to go musically for this i mean just look at the lyrics to fucking snow child like the, the, <laughs> it's so fucking bad. Yeah. I I don't even want to fucking read them on this goddamn podcast. Cause it's just so fucking bad. Um, when I was listening to this this morning, because I'm like, yeah, we're gonna talk about that fucking weekend album. I guess I gotta listen to it. And I'm like, is the is this album the result of what? Uh, like, is is the photo of this fucking album like staged or is this really what happened to him? Because if he got beat the fuck up, I can understand why this album sucks, but it's just so fucking bad. It's like, I hate, I hate his falsetto. His falsetto is so fucking dumb. It's funny that you bring up the the album cover because a lot of the aesthetics to me, especially like I, I can't remember which song it was, but one of the videos he's driving around in a big car smoking, and I'm just like, oh, he's just he's just doing Hunter S. Thompson here. Like this is all this is. Like you're just like a crazy man. Yeah, exactly. Like it's it's not even a good <laughs> ripoff, uh, you know, or pastiche of like the quiet, like the 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 crazy, like out of control man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you're fucking weekend. You're lame. I'm just going to say that. So, uh, just to resume, Bob Dylan, no masks, right? Bob Dylan, zero masks. The Weeknd, uh, zero masks. Childish, one mask. Uh, I haven't even listened to it, so I can't even give it a mask rating. Don't even bother opening the package of masks to get there. I don't think you're going to like it. <laughs> I'd rather conserve. Thank you. <laughs> uh, what else is on your list? I It's an, uh, an album that... Uh, I, I sent to you, and I, I think we've both enjoyed it, but uh, uh, more people need to know it, and that's uh, Expectations by Katie Pruitt. And yes. That album, it kind of came out of nowhere and just, like, hit me in the fucking feels pretty goddamn hard, and Nashville has kind of taken the lead on this and almost claimed it for their own, and this is not a country album, let's be honest. Katie Pruitt has been labeled this up-and-coming star in country music, but she's really more of a singer-songwriter. There's maybe, like, one song that veers country on this album, but from start to finish, just fucking incredible song. She's an incredible guitarist to begin with, and she knows how to write with a decent song. She's worked with great producers, and uh, this is a solid set of tunes, folks. Go fucking listen to Expectations. My favorite song is uh, Out of the Blue. I fucking listen to that thing at least once a day. It's so, so what you're saying is, good. like, buy a second box of masks for this one. Yeah, you're going to need a second box. 
because that that Best Buy is far away, and you but you need this. I need it fucking now. I and you know what? If Best Buy's out of it, I'm gonna have to go to like Target or something in the hopes that they got it. Yeah, I um her guitar playing on that album is fucking amazing. Yeah, it is. What is the, I can't remember what the third song is the second or third one, but there's like a moment where I'm like, wow, like uh, like I think it might be the title track actually, and like there's a, a couple of moments there where I'm like, this is actually like really 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 great guitar playing yeah exactly uh between the the guitar playing and just the way that she can uh emote on these albums yeah it is it is the title track yeah okay absolutely you you can get lost in these songs they're 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 so they're they're, the other thing she is apart from great playing they're greatly produced yeah they are Uh, phenomenally produced very atmospheric, uh, very able to capture a uh, an emotion like, really well. Yeah, it's. I actually will probably listen to it while I'm making supper after we record this. <laughs> exactly, like I need to get it on vinyl. You know what is interesting is I went to her website to see if I could get a vinyl copy, and she does have them on her website. She's actually selling pages from her journals. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. And like pages, lyrical pages and shit like that. Uh, a little too expensive for my taste, but that's pretty you, cool. You know, if someone wants it, it's there, right? Yeah. If you want to buy it for me, I'm down with that. My uh, last uh, musical endeavor, I guess, uh, for this episode is um, uh, unlike the weekend. I feel like this is R and B done right, and this is Party Next Door's Party Mobile. Um, put it on. Get into your feelings. Get sad about something. Get happy about something. I, I like that. It's, uh, you know, simple taste, man. Simple taste. I mean, like, listen, this is the first time Rihanna showed up on new music in three years at this point on Believe It, right? Apart from, yeah. like, uh, I don't know if you, <laughs> I don't know if you'd watch the childish uh, uh, movie that she co-starred in. I did not. Okay, well, yeah, good news, bad news. Uh, there's no new Rihanna music there, at least. But, uh, yeah, so she shows up on here. Uh, the entire album is great. Even um, I, I do find that these days having Drake on a track is a bit of a hindrance, but um, he's on Loyal, and, and Loyal is still a fine song. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's a, that's a good collection there. So what, uh, uh, either good or bad, what would be your final um, piece of music that you want to share um, that you've listened to recently? I... Uh, finally listened to this album. I had been putting it off since it came out in January, but it's too good not to listen to on repeat constantly. And that's uh, Pine Grove's Marigold. Is so oh yeah, fucking, it's so fucking good. Right it in the feels hit, it fucking hitting you in the feels for a solid like forty minutes. It's really good, really great songs. And I think the cool thing was is that they put out like the lyrics and like I think like the tabs or something like that before they released the album to see what, you know, other artists would come up with and it it like post those songs on the internet and that's really fucking cool. Yeah. But uh yeah, from start to finish, this is just fucking great songs very emotive songs as you know pine grove brings to the table every single time and apparently my dog can't handle her water she's going nuts <laughs> <laughs> this is what you get when you want to record in the living room because i'm fine with that yeah uh luna take it easy jeez but uh <laughs> i'm trying to get emotional about music dog but uh yeah this was uh it's just such a great fucking album that i listened to it and then I listened to it again, and then I listened to it again. 
<laughs> so what you're saying is like you're you're completely on brand for this. Like I can't escape my true form, which is <laughs> <laughs> you, you know I call it sad bastard, but um, you know maybe it's uh, maybe I'm a sensey Brian. Maybe I'm <laughs> maybe a sensey, yeah, just a sensey boy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Rob, as always, this has been a pleasure uh, doing uh, this podcast with you. And I feel like we these more free-flowing uh, episodes are like a lot of fun to do. Yeah, definitely. I think they uh, <laughs> they bring the laughs. They bring the the uh, great candor and shit. Uh, they're fun to do. Uh, and with that, you know, uh, people can find us on Twitter at the Coda Podcast. You can also email us at thecodacast at gmail.com. And also on Instagram, we're on the Coda Podcast. Don't forget about that. Um, uh, uh, Rob, kudos to you because you do the majority of the posting on there. I'll chime in, but you're like the main uh, content and uh, meme sharer, and I very much appreciate that. You gotta bring it to the table when you can. I mean, we we just brought some Shania Twain. Memes. I was about to say the Shania Twain content. Um, I'm here for it. So hell yeah, it's it's fucking great. Uh, thank you, Shania Twain, for sharing that on the internet. Uh, and I will share the shit out of that stuff. All day she's long. still the one, right? She, she's, she's still the one for us. She's still the one. Um, I still have that crush on her from that I've had since I was a teenager. Uh, it's going to linger until I die. <laughs> uh, I love the enthusiasm. Hopefully, one day, maybe we can write an open letter to Shania Twain and see where that goes. I kind of feel like I'll end up with a restraining order, kind of like. I, uh, I think that if you write a pleasant letter, it's one thing. Like you're not trying to like break into her home or anything. Yeah, I'm not trying to be like those uh, people in that Tiffany documentary. I'm not. Trying I think to be we're like, alone now. That was yeah. I think we talked about that on uh, another recording, right? Recently. Yeah, we talked about it on the meltdown. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it all seems to meld in my mind that I'm just continuously recording with a, a bunch of people in a room, no matter what the podcast is. <laughs> Yeah, some- I think my brain has reached like peak saturation. Yeah, sometimes it's hard to, to differentiate what the hell you're recording from one day to another. But yeah, <laughs> good news. This is the music podcast, Rob. Don't forget about it. Yeah, I will not forget about it. I promise. All right, Rob. This has been the Coda, and as always, people keep the cans on. <laughs>